Wonderful. Well, it's an interesting topic this morning, um, particularly after the rugby last night. <laughs> you can imagine for those who know my daughter, it was an interesting household after the game yesterday, because even though she was born in England, she supports Scotland. Okay, we, we still can't figure this one out, even though my, my, you know, my dad was Scottish, so she's clung to that. Um, but uh, it was a wonderful game for those who watched it. But uh, you'll see toward the end of this how I've had to keep, or be very careful of the words that I spoke to her um, afterwards. Bless her. Wonderful. Well, the psychology department, is an interesting way to start a message, the psychology department in the University of Texas in Houston conducted a survey on 396 students and the survey that they conducted was to see how many words they spoke in a 17-hour period. 17-hour period. Who can guess, on average, how many words they spoke in that 17-hour period? 10,000, we've got 10,000. I need a gavel, don't I? 10,000, going once, going twice. Three, what was that, 3,000? 3,000, any other guesses? 50,000. 50,000. Oh, are you speaking about me again? <laughs> it was 16,000. So on average, 16,000 words in a 17-hour Periods. That's 941 words an hour and 15, on average, 15 words a minute. I tried to find some books to give you a contrast of what that looked like, but trying to figure that out was, I need, needed John to, you know, tell me how many words are in books. So um, I, didn't, I didn't bring that. However, it did fluctuate. Anything from 500 words in that 17-hour period, I mean, that's obviously someone who didn't say a thing, really. <laughs> all the way up to maybe where I would be on the end of the spectrum, 47,000 words was the highest that they found. But I wonder what the experiment would have shown if they had looked at the type of words that they said. Not just the amount, but the type of words. Were they words that were kind, loving, peaceful, reassuring, maybe? Or were they words that were angry, bitter, resentful, maybe even miserable? Maybe a mixture of both. Maybe, I mean, I, I never went to university, so I, I don't know this, you know, myself, but maybe the, uh, the stress of studying has got to them. So that came across in how they were speaking during those 17-hour periods. Maybe the stress of study and working part-time to try and pay for their food and everything. That accumulated in how these words came across. How did the listeners, those listening, receive the words that they spoke? Were their words worth listening to? 
Or when they saw their friend or whoever this person might be walking down the university campus towards them, did they have that, oh, here we go, you know, mentality? Because some people, no, no comments here, can waffle and waffle and waffle, and actually, they don't, they're, what they're saying is not really worth anything. Thank you, you're very kind, thank you. <laughs> what was the knock-on effect? What was the knock-on effect for the person saying the words? What was the knock-on effect maybe for those listening to the words that were saying? How did those words affect the rest of their day? How did their words affect the rest of their life? Maybe in a catastrophic way. Maybe it didn't. We don't know. But it's interesting on how words could have affected people's day, week and life. And as we explore this final section in Jesus' sermon uh, on the plain, which we've been looking at for the last two or three weeks, we're going to ask these questions of ourselves as Christians. We're going to look at the words that we speak and the effect that they might have on us and also to all of those who are listening around us. So if your Bible's with you, uh, please turn with me to Luke 6, 43 to 45. We've been looking at Jesus' Sermon on the Plain. This week and next week, we'll bring it to a close. So Luke 6, starting from verse 43. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from bramble bush. The good person, out of the good treasure of his heart, produces good. And the evil person, out of his evil treasure, produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Talking is such a fundamental aspect of our lives, isn't it? We use this incredible creative function to communicate with other people. We use it to express our emotions. We use it to express our opinions and our views on things. It's such an incredible ability, if you think about it, how God has designed our bodies our brains creating these electrical impulses, these electrical impulses that, that um, cause our vocal cords to vibrate. This reverberation of our vocal cords creates this sound. Using our muscles, our tongues, our lips, we shape this sound into words. Humanity then has created over many a year, has created meaning and context to these words in order that we can all communicate. If we hadn't, you wouldn't have a clue what I was saying today. Communication is one of the fundamental aspects 
of how humanity has evolved. It's how the Bible that we have came to be. Word of mouth passed down from generation to generation, which was then put down on paper, which is then produced into this canon that we have today. But though words are a fantastic gift from God, they can also be a two-edged sword used to praise, to honour and encourage on the one hand, but then on the other hand can be destructive, can be hurtful and can be very much angry in their tone. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. <coughs> hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Anyone know who spoke those words? Who said that? Jeremy. Well done. Well done, sir. Martin Luther King spoke of those words. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Now, us listening to these words, me reading it and you hearing it, what, is, what, what can we get from these words? Are they angry words? Are they frustrated words? Or actually, the undertones of his words, love, peace, is that what we get here? Encouraging, encouraging words. That's what I get from them. <coughs> Death is the solution to all problems. No man, no problem. <laughs> Death is the solution to all problems. No man, no problem. Who said those words? Any idea? Joseph Stalin. <coughs> Joseph Stalin, former Prime Minister of Soviet Union. Now, we don't know the context. Uh, the point is not the context of this. It's just the physical words and how we, how we initially take them when they're said. Now, would we take those words the same as we would have done Martin Luther's words? No. We, they, they, can, they sound quite angry, don't they? They... They can be quite destructive. They can be quite hurtful, maybe. When's the last time that you stopped and listened to the words that you were saying? It's interesting, isn't it? When I got to that point in, in just jotting my notes down, I thought to myself, you know, I... I don't think I have, really, ever just paused and gone, are these words I'm saying, how, how do they come across? What might they do to someone who's listening or to me? It makes you think, doesn't it? Have we ever paused and thought about how these words are coming across to someone else or how they're going to affect myself, whether they're bad or good? Have you ever walked, and I know I've done this myself, have you ever walked 
uh, or been in a situation where you've walked away from a conversation, whether it's a party or something like that, and you've gone, gosh, I can't believe they said that. <laughs> or have you ever done that yourself? <laughs> have you ever walked around and gone, oh my gosh, I can't believe I've said those words. And then they've played on you and you've sat up that night thinking, oh, Lord, you know, how am I going to get around this one? Thinking the worst. Words have such influence in our lives and in how we function and operate as people in this society that we're in, in this family that we are in here at Welcome. Words are powerful. They are powerful for good. Words are powerful for bad. Words are powerful to bring life to others and to ourselves. But words are powerful and can bring destruction to people's lives and to ourselves. What drives, what drives the words that we speak? Where do they come from? Interesting question. Jesus is two-thirds of the way through his sermon on the plain, which is the passage that we've just read. A sermon which is aimed at his disciples. A sermon, a sermon that is as relative, uh, relevant sorry, to us today as it was to his disciples 2,000 years ago. So if you remember at the very beginning of us looking at this, we said... It's important for us to sit up and listen. Just because Jesus is, is saying these words to his disciples on a plane all those years ago doesn't mean we go, oh, that's challenging. Oh, they're lovely words. He's speaking them to us as well. They are relevant for all time. So we need to sit up and we need to listen and take note and do our best with God's help to apply them into our own lives. So far in his sermon, he has promised blessing on his disciples, has he not? Blessed are the poor, the hungry, the upset, though, and blessed are those who suffer for following me. He pronounced woes to his disciples, warnings to them that they are careful not to be selfish if they're rich. To be careful not to get so consumed with the world around them because of the freedom they have for being rich. We, we must, we can't. Not all of Jesus' disciples were poor. There are some very wealthy disciples that Jesus had, which is why he's speaking about these two different parallels. Jesus then moves on to teach us of the importance of loving our enemies. I mean, that in itself is a, a struggle, isn't it? Let's be honest. Loving our enemies. And then last week, we explored the hypocrisy around us picking holes in other people, knowing full well that we're doing the same things. And I did address uh, Ron as he walked in this morning, as your honour. <laughs> though he wasn't wearing his wig. 
That's a shame, Ron. You should have come in all dressed up again. Where is that Thompson? Oh, he's down there. there you are. Oh, he's hiding. He's trying to hide there. Look. So just to recap on the verse that leads us into our verse today. Jesus says, how can you say to your brother, brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye when you yourself do not see the log that's in your own eye? You hypocrite. I'm a hypocrite because I have done this. Horrible word, isn't it, when, you, when, when someone says it to you? But it's so true of so many of us. You hypocrites, first take the log out of your own eye. Then you will see clearly to take out the speck in your brother's eye. Jesus isn't trying to upset his disciples here. He's trying to grow us, develop us, guide us on that path of righteousness. Because he can see the hypocrisy in all our lives. So he's trying to put us out of that. And then in this passage, our passage today, Jesus is dealing with the, sorry, the, the passage we just read. Jesus is dealing with the outward expression of a disease that affects every Christian's heart at some point in their journey. Our ability to pick holes in others and the ease in which we can do that and our inability to see our need to heed our own words and look at ourself first. It's like me saying to Kelly, and I have to be really careful what picture, you know, analogy I, I, I picked here. It's like, and I'm going to keep this really light-hearted because I'll, I'll, I'll be in trouble otherwise. Um, it's like me turning around to Kelly. Now, Kelly, you know, obviously uses the car in the week. It's like me turning around to Kelly and saying, right, Kelly, keep the car tidy, please. <laughs> if you have a chocolate bar or something on the way up, you know, away from home, don't leave your, rub your, your, your rubbish in the car. You know, and me making a real point to Kelly about making sure she keeps it tidy. But then after I have my... You know, my coffee that I picked up in town on the way home, me drinking it and throwing it in the back footwell. I'm telling her to do one thing. I'm doing totally something totally different. Did I get away with that one? Yes. <laughs> I'm all right. Drew another one. <laughs> <Drew> another one. <laughs> I went about three or four different stories. I thought, well, no, I'll get in trouble for that one. <laughs> I'm not saying that Kelly is untidy in the car, okay? And that's not, that's not what I'm saying. Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> but Jesus carries on from this passage he carries on and takes us on a journey to understand where these outward expressions are birthed where they're birthed it's the same question we asked at the beginning where, where do these words come from why do we say them and why do we say them in the way that we say them what's happening there he takes us on this journey to a place where hypocrisy is birthed. The place where the positive and the negative words we speak are birthed. And they're all in the human heart. It's the human heart. That is the foundation of the outward manifestation of these things. Does that make sense? Yeah. We'll dive into this a little bit deeper. 
Now, what do I mean by the heart? We've just got to clarify this. What do we mean by the heart? We don't mean the muscle that pumps blood around our body. That's not what we're meaning, or what, not what Jesus is meaning when he talks about the heart. He's talking about our thoughts, our minds, our character, our will, our reason, our inclinations, etc., etc., etc. The heart is a metaphor for our entire inner being, our inner person. Does that make sense? Because it's important for us to understand that before we can truly understand what Jesus is saying here. It's not that emotional, lovey feeling that we might have. Or like I've said, the, you know, our, our physical heart that keeps us alive. It is our inner being. Who we are. So let's look at our primary passage again today. He, uh, Jesus starts and says, no good tree bears bad fruit. In some translations, I know the ESV says this, it does tie it on. The word begins there with a but. So it's a tie-on from the previous verse we've just read. But it says, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognised by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. Pause there. Pause there. There we go. The house smells wonderful this morning. Everybody see those? Oh, they look yummy, don't they? No? <laughs> now, question. Probably going to be super simple, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Which one of these would you eat? The green one. Obviously, the green one. No one? Can I, can I not tempt anybody? Wow, brave, brave. So we would, all, we would all assume, wouldn't we, that we'd naturally go for this. The nice green, shiny apple, yes? Not the uh, dark, dry. Our house smells wonderful because I had to cook this in the oven to try and make it look like that today. <laughs> so it smells very Christmassy. But no one would eat this. Maybe one. We would all be in agreement with that, yes? Okay. Which of these two would you say the tree was helping? If you went and put these off a tree, which was the healthy tree? The green one. Right? We would all, it's quite simple, isn't it? We all would all understand that, we'd all see that. We would avoid this, but we'd absolutely go for that. Good. Good. But can you, can you, Look at yourself and see what fruit you are producing. Can you look at your life, the things you say, the way you act, and can you so easily determine which fruit you're producing? Healthy, good fruit, 
were actually not very healthy, unhealthy fruit. Makes you stop and think just for a moment, doesn't it? Now, what do I mean by that? Jesus loves, and I'm sure many of you who have spent time looking at Jesus' parables and his teachings, Jesus loves to use pictures and analogies to help his disciples to understand the messages that he's giving. (coughs) And I think it's such a wonderful thing, isn't it? We can become so bogged down sometimes with, with with, with word studies and things that we can miss that actually Jesus used the things that people saw around them, farming, fishing, to help teach pretty powerful stuff in a very simple way. Similar to what Neil was doing last week. I loved, I loved last week, I thought it was great. Yeah. <laughs> but this is no different to what Jesus was doing here. He was using a tree and a fruit as a simple way of being able to teach. And after placing this picture of the bad fruit and the bad tree, and the good fruit and the good tree in the minds of his disciples and those who were listening, he then goes on to explain what he's meaning and what it looks like in their lives and our lives today. And he says this, a good person brings good things out of the good stored in their heart. And an evil person brings evil from the things that's evil stored in their hearts. Now there is a two-pronged lesson that Jesus is teaching us here in this passage. The first is this. Jesus, by way of this simple picture, is teaching us to be aware of the words that we speak. As this will indicate the health of our heart. So he's teaching disciples throughout the ages to be aware of what they're saying because what they're saying will be an indication of how healthy their heart is. So our inner person, our heart, represents the tree and our words and you could also say our conduct and our attitudes, though Jesus isn't going that far at the minute, our words is the fruit. So just as an unhealthy tree produces bad fruit, an unhealthy heart will produce unhealthy words or life which will be represented by that person speaking judgment or being judgmental over people, condemning people, being envious or speaking envious, being jealous and also speaking jealousy. That's how you start to see this unhealthy heart, uh, sorry, this unhealthy fruit heart by the fruit that they're speaking because it will be negative, it will be, it won't be uplifting and peaceful. And just as the, uh, the, the healthy tree produces good fruit, the healthy heart will produce healthy words represented by peace. I love our words of peace and of love 
of encouragement, uh, forgiveness. Does that ring a bell? Where does that ring a bell? Fruit of the Spirit. It's all interlinked. So that's the first point Jesus is trying to make here. The second point is Jesus is teaching us of the importance of Christians learning to recognise good and bad fruit in everyone that we come into contact with, i.e. wisdom, spiritual Christian wisdom, i.e. being wise and in tune with the Spirit in discerning people's motives so that we can either stay clear because of the influence that that person might have on our life, but at the same time be ready if the Holy Spirit prompts us to get involved with that person's life. Through with his help, using wisdom to try and help them come out of this unhealthy lifestyle maybe that they're in. So Jesus then gives us a datum, a litmus test, if you will, to test the condition of our hearts, our inner self, that tree that we have inside, if I can use that analogy as well. He gives us the test to see what our fruit and what our health is like. As we've learned, the mouth, um, sorry, he says, I didn't tell you the verse, did I? For out of the mouth, out of the mouth uh, speaks, let's get that done again, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And I used the NIV there. The mouth speaks what the heart, the inner person, is full of. There are other translations out of the abundance of the heart. As we have learned, the mouth is just a muscle doing what our, uh, what our minds tell us and our will is. And what we tell it to do is influenced by the condition of our heart. Though the conditions of our heart affects the whole person, what we say, how we act, and how we think. And Jesus, in this moment, is focusing on the words that we speak. And he wasn't the only one to, to speak of the power of words throughout scriptures. I'm sure anyone who spent any amount of time in scripture will, will will know that there are quite a few verses that speak on tongues, or speaking about, i.e. tongues as in the words, not the, you know, the prophetic, but what we say, how we say it, and to whom we say it. It's throughout scripture. Here are just a couple of examples. Proverbs 21, 23. Watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut and you will stay out of trouble. There's a, there's a wise proverb right there. Proverbs 12, 18. Some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise brings healing. Ephesians 4, 29. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. 
and on and on and on and on. So we'll look at a lot more of these next week. The words we speak are powerful and can change the course of our lives and the lives of others around us. We know this to be true. Many of us here today, because the gospel was shared to us, has it not transformed our lives? Yeah. Do we know? Thank you. We know it to be true. Words are powerful. Being negative, as an example, all the time can be so life-draining for the person who is negative, but also for those hearing and listening and being around them. It doesn't have to be that way. Our words are a direct reflection of what we see happen in our hearts, in our inner self, and our heart's condition is affected by what we have allowed in. I really want us to get hold of that because I'm I'm plugging next week here. (laughs) The condition of our hearts and our inner being is a direct reflection of what we have allowed in. Next week, we will be asking that question. What are we consuming into our lives? What are we filling our hearts with? And how will that affect not just the way we speak, but our lives as disciples of Jesus? But as I bring this to a close, today, I want to give us, encourage us, challenge us with two challenges to take with us today. Half the battle of dealing with the heart is recognising what is coming out. What is coming out? Our words are a good indication of that condition of our heart, as we've already said. I want to encourage you. Be brave this week. Stand in front of your mirror at home. Look at yourself in that mirror and ask yourself some questions. How do I speak to others? How do I speak to myself? Do I speak negatively or positively? Are my words life-giving? Or are my words life-draining? You need to look at yourself and ask that question, as I do. And we need to pray into that. Lord, reveal these things to me. Lord, help me see. Because as we said at the beginning, so, so we, we speak so much, we don't, we don't always pause to stop and think what we're saying. Our words could be destructive, but we wouldn't know it because we haven't stopped to think. We can't change these things by ourselves. If we stand in front of that mirror and we see, and we, we, there are things that we think, actually, no, that's... I've got to try and change my ways in those, or what I'm saying now, or how I'm speaking to that person. We can't do it by ourselves, but we don't have to. We don't have to. God is the ultimate one that can transform our heart. He's really the only one that can do it, but we can do our bit. We can do our bit by surrendering ourselves and saying, Lord, showing me the areas the ways that I'm speaking and coming across to people because that will have a direct influence on how I come across your, how I, how I share your, your kingdom, how I share you. 
is all interlinked. So here's the first challenge for you. This is the last challenge. And I remember my pastor challenging us on this many, many years ago. And I've never forgot it. This week, before any of us speak to any part, any person, okay, I want to, I want to encourage you to pause just for a moment and I want, to, I want you to ask yourself three questions. Three questions. Is what I'm about to say true? Is it kind? And is it necessary? Are the words I'm about to speak to this person all over myself true, kind, and necessary? If you can't say yes to all three of them, don't say it. Just don't say it. Does that make sense? It's super simple. But it can actually transform us and also help us to not hurt other people in the words we say. If what we're going to say is life-giving and it's encouraging and it's loving, then by all, go for it. Because that's how we should be. How we should be coming across and speaking to people. There is a time to rebuke. There is a time to challenge. There is a time for those things. But we must, we must always pause and ensure we're doing it in love, in care. With the best intentions of that person. Not out of selfish gain or anything like that. Does that make sense? To give you just an example of that. Jesus, when he was on the cross, and the band can come up now, actually, if uh, the band are here. <coughs> Jesus, on the cross, spoke these words. It is finished. We know these words, very famous, powerful words. Was it true? Was it true? Jesus' death paid the debt owed to God for mankind's rebellion. So absolutely it was true. Second question, was it kind? Yes. The heart behind those words was one of compassion and of love. And finally, was it necessary? Yes. It was necessary. If he hadn't gone to the cross, we would have no hope. We would have no hope and we would be destined to feel the full effects of God's righteous judgment upon us all. So even Jesus himself, I'm sure he didn't say these three words to himself because he didn't need to. But you can see the reason he said those words because it was true, it was kind and it was necessary for him to do all that he did on the cross and say those final words. So two challenges I want to leave you today and we'll pick this back up next week. Amen? Mm -hmm. Amen. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much 
We thank you so much for your word, for the truth that we see and hear in Jesus' words. Lord, we thank you for the, the simple teaching that you gave, the simple analogies that you gave. Help us, Lord, to understand the simple message. To take that with us, to apply that into our lives. Guide us, help us. I pray for every person in this room, Lord. I pray that you, you show us throughout this week maybe the ways that we are speaking to people. Help us to see if our hearts border on unhealthy our heart's desire is to be healthy and to bear good fruit. Fruit that brings life, encouragement and love. That's our heart's desire and passion. But we know we can't do this by ourselves. And we don't have to because you promised that you would give us your help with the Holy Spirit. Forgive us, Lord, when we don't lean upon your Spirit. We don't surrender to you. So mould us this week. Place us in situations that we can ask those three questions. Is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? And remember and see within that moment what could have been avoided if we hadn't asked those questions and just gone with exactly what was on our heart. Thank you for your truth and your word. Bless us all, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.